this is something of a long-awaited up both for me and for you know the people that actually listen to my uh, show. This is something I've teased, so to speak, on my Instagram and things like that, and on my videos, and in some ways you kind of knew this was coming. There are two very disparate movements that have sprung up in light of our uh, postmodern hypercapitalist system making everything a commodity. On the one end, you have feminism, um, which itself is kind of splintered into a few different, um, different uh, elements. You have uh, what's called liberal feminism, which is kind of the pro-sex work, you know, um, pro-neoliberal um, end of feminism, you know, the, the, the type that always pushes the whole girl boss narrative and, and all sorts of, you know, interesting points like that. Then you have what's called radical feminism, in which they are vehemently anti-sex work. They believe that women can and should be separated from men and so on and so forth along those lines of thinking. And again, it's a very, this is all very simplified um, points, but I'm just making them anyhow. On the other end, you have MGTOW, which is an acronym for men going their own way. And to put it very, very simply, uh, they are men who have become, quite frankly, jaded with um, the relationship and divorce and, and what our society has kind of put forth for men. And these are all, and these are men from all over the spectrum. There are, you know, rich men, middle class men, working class men. Dealing with feminism, there is rich women, working class women, poor women. And so what you've ended up with is this two disparate movements that have ended up exercising an outsized influence, more so because of the internet, social media, on and on. And yet, there are things both get wrong, there are things both get right. But it's an odd sort of way that they stumble upon these half-truths, right? So, I will start with MGTOW, because that's a bit, you know, more recent for me. So, for men going their own way, they are correct in the sense that women do initiate 70% of the divorces. They are correct in the fact that, you know, women can and will automatically have custody of the children in any divorce proceeding nine times out of ten. Um, they are correct in the sense that, you know, marriage and such isn't what it used to be. Now, some might say that's a good thing, and some might say that's a bad thing. And the point being, it is all a symptom of how everything has become a commodity in our, in our modern hyper-capitalist world, right? We have dating apps that say just swipe left and right on the most attractive people out there. And all you're basing them on is just attractiveness, you know? There's no search for character, no search for anything. Um, and where you've ended up is this sort of adversarial relationship between men and women with regards to that. Because there are a great many in the MGTOW circles who, will, who have straight up said they do not want to get married ever. All they see is, you know... Well, you see, marriage as is uh, women only benefiting and only women benefiting. You know, regardless of, of any other circumstances or context, it'll just be just women benefiting um, because, again, you know, child support um, and all these uh, points that they think are, quite frankly, outdated at this point because, you know, men and women make roughly the same amount of money. Um, and in our postmodern world, you know, Everybody's supposed to have equal rights, right? <laughs> and then rewinding back to feminism. Feminism, to put it simply, is a point that 
women are an oppressed class and deserve rights and deserve this um, specific brand of rights in order to put them on an equal playing field with men. They, they see patriarchy as the um, kind of ultimate evil because they have said patriarchy is what has kept women down for thousands of years. Uh, a woman's fate is tied to a man's fate, and if a man tires of a woman, he can and usually does, you know, just throw her out with nothing, um, leaving her stranded and alone and starving. And to some degree, that's true. Um, but again, with, with everything being made a commodity, right? And when I say everything is made a commodity, I mean that everything is for sale. I mean the part where we sell our labor in this capitalist society that we live in, especially in the West, is expanded. It is amplified. We no longer just sell our labor. We rent it. We rent our time. We rent our bodies. We rent damn near everything at this point, especially with BlackRock buying up all the houses. Now, what does that mean for, for love and relationships? Again, it makes it adversarial, you know? Because let's be very honest with ourselves, men and women need each other, you know? You have two significantly disparate movements basically keeping the adversarial conditions that men and women are currently facing in existence. It's really what it boils down to. And what neither movement is seeing. And to a degree, again, they're, the, the beauty and danger of both movements, uh, feminism, although I'm going to lean more toward the radical feminist side of things because, you know, there's a bit of an internal battle there with liberal feminism being pro-sex work and pointing out that sex work is work in their eyes and radical feminism taking the other view of things in the sense that only fans and porn and, and, you know, escorting and sex work and so on and so forth is a deep symptom of exploitation by our capitalist system. And uh, I'll personally lean more toward that side of things. Um, but again, the, both of it just leads to an adversarial relationship between men and women. And what neither of them realize is that this is what the ruling class wants. In the late 20th century, John Rock, Rock, one of the Rockefeller uh, barons, I believe it was John or Nelson, one of the two, he admitted that a large chunk of liberal fe- what we know to be liberal feminism now was quite frankly a plot by the ruling class to make more money for the ruling class. Because think about it like this. If there are two people with two incomes in two different houses, there's more money being given to businesses. There's more um, taxes being paid to government. There's more um, separation in the sense that two different individuals have to buy two different houses in two different places, uh, and they can't really stay together and build an extended family and build a home and things like that. It's an interesting spiral, if you will, because in the ancient days, you know, for whatever flaws they had, there was something of an extended family, you know? Even if you weren't all in the same house, you were at least relatively close by. Like, let's say um, the grandparents lived in one house, and then next door, the parents lived in another house. Then then next door, uh, a husband and a wife lived in uh, the house next door, you know, and on and on. Or, again, some cultures, they would be all in the same house. It would be, you know, a big house and a lot of land, and you could build multiple houses on that land, and you would be able to basically extend your family. You know, your, your parents, your grandparents, your wife slash husband, however that worked out, your children, and, you know, your 
other relatives if need be. And it's an interesting quandary how that is only found now in very, very specific and mainly rural areas, you know? And it's this odd quandary that as globalization and global capitalism has interconnected everybody, what in reality it has done is spread Western liberal quote-unquote democracy to countries that quite frankly never needed it, right? And if I've become something of an internationalist and knowledgeable about different cultures, it's quite frankly because I see what I see what the ruling class is doing. And the point being is that everything has become a commodity under capitalism, right? Including your love life, including relationships, right? The only people that divorce has benefited is divorce lawyers, right? With the advent of no-fault divorce, the divorce rate spiked to where it's now almost literally half or 60% of all marriages, right? And why is that? Well, if there's no genuine fault in that divorce, and if we live in a society in which everything's a commodity, in which there's always something better around the corner, there's always someone better around the corner, we can always do better than what we currently have. Instead of sticking around and fixing it, we tend to want to go towards someone, the, the whole grass is greener on the other side argument, right? And we can argue that humans can and should be independent, and I agree to that, but what we have now is this continuous obsession with, with, with freedom and then liberty and things like that, when we don't have a proper concept of what those things truly are, or rather we don't have the wisdom to truly grasp them and appreciate them. Everything is boiled down to a commodity. Everything has boiled down to money. And so what needs to happen is there needs to be a return to mutual love and mutual respect between men and women. For as the ancient symbol of the yin-yang has shown, you have feminine energy and you have masculine energy. You have the darkness and you have the light. And both have to flow in equal measure in order for anything to work. Because if one is too overpowering, it will break the whole thing, regardless of whether it's masculine or feminine energy. You know? And given our worldview and our history tends to vacillate wildly between one end or the other, and I'm starting to think that's done on purpose nowadays, the best resistance, so to speak, you can have against the globalists, against these elites, against these capitalist filth that want nothing more than to extract money from you constantly, like blood from a stone, is to have strong families, right? there's any reason to work the system in whatever way you can until you can break it it is to have as strong of a family as you possibly can and a united family as much as you possibly can because capitalism thrives when people are atomized isolated individuals separated from their culture if you are a man you must do everything you can to become the best example of a man that you want to be Right? If you're a woman, you have to be the best example of a woman that you can be. Right? In order to fight capitalism, what needs to happen is not just a revolution externally, but a revolution internally. Right? What needs to happen isn't just bringing down the system externally, there has to be a spiritual revolution too.
And the reason I say that is because even if we were to take down the entire system tomorrow, what could you replace it with, right? Think about the Spartans in ancient Greece. And I know someone's going to come at me with the nonsense about ancient Greece was a horrible era, etc., etc., and all the slavery and so on and so forth. But the reality is Sparta did things a little differently. Yes, they had slavery, but every single society did back then, including white slaves. Huh? Point being, what they did was what I would call proto-feminism. Um, and I don't say that in this, you know, bastardized sense that we have today, but it's this sense that the Spartans would give their woman equal food, the same as the men, equal training, same as the men, equal education, same as the men. And it would still be recognized that because of all this, you had your duty to the society because your society was worth doing your duty to. And I think that's one of the core difficulties that we in our modern world have. Our societies are worthless. Our societies don't fill us with any sense of duty or purpose. Instead, we roll our eyes every time we ask to do something because we have nobody that we can respect in our society. Right? And you notice I'm switching from the micro elements of society to the macro elements of society, right? I'm switching from the need for family and the need to break the adversarial relationship that men and women have to the macro in which a society will rise and fall based on the respect that its citizens have for it, right? And I will say this, the only 20th century time that I see anything related to what the Spartans did was quite frankly Stalin, right? Soviet Union under Stalin, and to an extension East Germany, and to an extension Hungary under goulash communism. And I say goulash communism because I cannot pronounce the Hungarian leader's name who uh, put goulash communism there. They provided the opportunity for women to either or. You had the same education, the same food, the same training. You had the older members of society train you in what needed to be done to be a good citizen, be a good uh, you know, person for your society, as it should be. Um, and quite frankly, Soviet uh, fitness and Soviet psychology is still absolutely relevant today. But the point being that that is the closest thing to the ancient Spartans that I've seen in the 20th century, because they gave women the option to either work and gain some political office or become a scientist or even become a detective. Or women could stay at home if they so desired. And uh, if they had multiple kids, they would even get a medal from the state, which is something I quite frankly find amazing. Because in the West, when someone has multiple kids, all they're greeted with is revulsion. All they're greeted with is, is you know, insults about being a broodmare, you know? Uh, when in reality, children are a blessing. And the reason why a chunk of our generation, my generation rather, doesn't want children is because, quite frankly, the cost of everything, the cost of keeping a roof over your head, food in your belly, is disgustingly expensive. And my generation has already started out, men and women, have already started out with a mountain of debt. Because that is what, that is the lie we were fed by our capitalist society. That we, we go to college and we do everything correctly and... You know, we were the ones who kept quiet and always did what we were told, and we would succeed. And now we're seeing that for the bold-faced lie that it is. 
you know. The reason we're wanting to go back to uh, what other cultures have done, Asian cultures or, or ancient European cultures or even Native American cultures, if, you're, if that is your heritage, is because we, have, we are seeing that that worked. We are seeing that that part of our heritage was strong. And it was Western capitalism that eroded it all away. It was the false consciousness of Protestantism that broke the back of this country, of America. And so I'm going to eventually make a part two for this, maybe get into more details about certain points. But what I wanted to say is that, again, the adversarial relationship between men and women needs to end. I'm the only guy you know who could follow both MGTOW pages and Radical Feminism pages and come away with wisdom from both, because there is wisdom. But it's more of an accidental wisdom. It's more of a, they have tripped over this truth, but they don't quite stop to look and reflect as to why this is the truth, right? Both are only focused on the symptom. Few, if any, are focused on the cause. And I, uh, I'm more interested in, you know, cutting and cauterizing the hydra than anything else. I try to go for the root of things, so that way we can put the nail in that coffin. I'll let you chew over all this. I'll be around.